friend and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe have a seat or go out for a nice walk in nature. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on Ayurveda, I want to do something that I usually do in the psychology episodes. I want to bring up the example of one patient that I work with. So what I really want to put the emphasis on in the episode is the magic, let's say, of mental power and the driving of mental power being consistently sticking to routines and having the right patterns of behavior. So a little bit like I might have said in other episodes about Ayurveda, that it's not so much what you do as it is when you do it, or it's not so much what you eat as how you're eating and when you're eating. The same thing as it's not always as much so much how much you're sleeping as in when you are sleeping. Because all of it comes down to a logic that is beyond just the physical aspect of something, if you will. Now, in order to capture your interest on this, I want to just start with why I want to speak about this patient. And I want to speak about this patient because within one week of working together, this person already noticed changes. Now, obviously, depending on what the issue is, who you are, all these things, you would say, well, it's not that exceptional that within one week you notice changes. But therefore, I want to also show you the background of this person who have been, had been struggling, I should say, with the symptoms they were experiencing for, let's say, a good part of 10 years. All right. And then all of a sudden you realize that within one week you start to notice changes. That's really positive. There's two things here that I think are really important for you to hear from me because I know obviously otherwise I wouldn't even be doing this just how discouraging and frustrating it can feel when you're experiencing symptoms of imbalance or just unhealth or unhappiness even and it seems like such a mountain to climb to reach health or balance. So therefore, I want to speak about this today because I want you to hear that even if you've experienced symptoms that are actually quite similar to depression, for instance, since almost 10 years, by making quite small changes, and there's another point in there, 
within one week you can already begin to experience um, a change. Then it motivates you, right? And there's also then the second aspect of that, which is relating to someone who's been there. Right? And even in science, the research they show today, that uh, scientific research, I wanted to say, that having someone who's experienced what you're going through as a support for you, or something similar at least, is extremely helpful, which is why the 12 Steps program, of course, um, has that, what they would call like a, like a sponsor, or they can be called like a mentor and something like that. And we all know that if we um, turn to a friend with an issue that we've, we have that they've been through as well, just the fact of turning to them will ease up a little bit for us. And really, this is where the, you know, I put on the um, psychologist hat and it really comes down to shame there very much and vulnerability because one of the main aspects of shame is that we feel as if we're isolated with what's going on with us. And so one of the first ways to break free from deep shame is to share, is to know that you're not alone in this, other people experience it, that there's not you know, something specifically wrong with you. So this is also why sharing with other people is very beneficial for us. And therefore then turning towards someone who's experienced something similar, who can be there as a support, can bring us so much. Which is why sometimes turning towards just a medical doctor might make you feel helpless. Which is why, of course, we are so dependent on the medication that they will give us. And which is probably also why the medical doctors themselves really feel supported by the pharmaceutical industry because, well, let's face it, there's just so many things that they might not be able to relate to, but that a pill can help with. And so, you know, they, they, they give us something with that. The fact that this person turned towards me, who could then relate because I had not necessarily their symptoms, but Ayurveda has helped me. And there were a certain amount of the things that I gave this person to do that I've experienced the benefits of. So that, of course, was helpful. And in order then to give you a little bit of the background to this, there's a few things that I really need to explain so that you can really get the full picture. Because we're not coming from an easy place. Number one, the person was living in a country, or is living still in a country, that isn't their own. Which means that there's a big part of a su support system, as in friends, family, extended family, that might not be present. This person had also experienced symptoms of stagnation, let's say, since almost childhood due to limiting beliefs about 
what they are capable of. Let me unpack that one just to make it a little bit clearer. If we have been really ingrained with the idea that we are not good enough for something or pretty enough for something or skilled enough for something, later on in life when we're confronted in situations where this belief is activated, one of the typical actions that we take is the non-action. So basically, um, there's an expression in French where you would say that you just let your arms hang by the side of your body, basically. Like you're not, you're not trying to do something with your arms. You're not trying to lift it up. You're just letting it hang because there's no use in trying, which is also what we sometimes would call, for instance, self-sabotage. In a situation where you could take action, you're not doing it. And this is very much linked to limiting beliefs from the past. And so it can have, it can look like um, doing things the opposite way of what would be beneficial for us, but it can very often look like just stagnation. All right. So when it comes to people who, for instance, put on quite a lot of weight or people who just dives into a depression, we are looking at stagnation in terms of Ayurvedic words and that perpetuates the state as well. So we would look at actually a typical kapha aggravation. This will also then bring on isolation, loneliness and naturally of course with all that together, a deep wound, lack of self-worth, right? And what would that bring on in terms of social interactions? Well, naturally for this person and probably quite common in general, that there will be a lack of boundaries. So maybe having social interactions, different kinds of relationships with people who are also not really seeing the person's worth since the person themselves don't see it. And therefore having relationships with people who might not nourish us, who might bring us down instead, who might use and abuse of us, which is exactly what was happening for this person for the past three, four years. So as she reached out to me, because this was a woman, she was saying, I've been trying all different kinds of things to lose weight. And now I'm turning towards you because I just realized that it doesn't work when I try the other things. And one very big component is that it doesn't work is that I don't engage in the different practices that I'm supposed to be doing. I need the support of someone helping me in this. And I need to find a way to engage in the practices that you give me that won't make me so quickly just lose basically the confidence 
that it's possible to get out of it. I want to take the opportunity to mention my online program for you. It's a program dedicated to healing all kinds of typical illnesses that we find in modern days, from chronic fatigue, anxiety, digestive issues, weight gain, weight loss, insomnia, and everything in between. Now, I've put this together in a way that we assure success through three individual consultations with me, eight group sessions with a whole group, and educational material for you to digest whenever you can and want to. We work on healing whatever you want to heal, take care of whatever needs seem to be unmet in your organism, or even without trying to heal something specific, finding the perfect routine that works for you. If you are seeking to find more balance in your life, if you keep yo-yoing in how you're feeling physically, mentally or emotionally and never being able to really see how that stabilizes, then this program is for you. Get in touch with me either through my website yogisha.com or send me directly an email charlotte at yogisha.com and we'll jump on a call to talk about it more. Thank you for listening back to the episode. So basically, we are looking at a person who was going in the tendency of her dominant dosha. And because she was then therefore actually so attached to the tendency, it was really hard to reverse the tendency. And this is Basically what in, well, in psychology then we would call an addiction. We actually get addicted to our own emotional states of being. And then we are so habituated to the state of being, even if it's not something that we desire to have, that we take that on as our personality, it feels familiar, and it actually becomes our comfort zone. Doing anything that's opposite to that feels uncomfortable, and so we will very quickly slip back into what we're used to with the idea in our mind that, well, I knew it all along. I wasn't capable. And then that idea comes in and just nourishes what was already lying underneath of the self-worth lack of, right? So I said, in order for this to work, we need to be patient, but we also need to just implement a couple of things to begin with and stick to them. So I want you to document this every day and then I want you to report it to me as well. Because when we do, there is a commitment happening, right? And there's also this kind of, right, someone is checking up on me, so I kind of have to do it. And that's actually really good <laughs> to have. Now, I only gave this person a couple of things to do. We weren't even close to the whole, you know, what are you eating? When are you eating? Right? There was just a couple of things that I wanted her to implement. And it was only to be focused on in the early morning at wake up. It was a very simple routine of the early morning elimination of toxins, which implies the oil pulling, the tongue scraping, and 
drinking warm water with lemon. Basically, that was it. But because I told her that she needed to report back to me, I made her use a journal to write down every morning as well how she was feeling before she did her practices and after she did the practices as a simple tool of awareness. Now, I mentioned then that her symptoms were weight gain, but there were actually other symptoms as well. If you've been listening to me a little bit, especially on the Ayurveda part, you might remember that I have mentioned before that there's one of the dosha that is always the one that goes out of balance first, and that is vata, that is air and space, okay? Because it's movement, so it's volatile, which means that as soon as things are a little bit out of whack, that is naturally the one that's going to manifest irregular activity before it drags along the other one. So she was also noticing imbalances in her vata dosha with one very specific, which is constipation. And I wanted to bring that up right now in order for you to understand when she started to notice changes. So there was not only the um, constipation, but that was one of the vata imbalances that we would notice. Within one week, she messaged me. We hadn't even had our second consultation. So it was less than a week. And she said, I've noticed something. I've been doing what you told me and I've noticed something. She said, I noticed a desire to slow down. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone is going through stagnation, we could imagine you don't want to slow down. There's a distinction. Slowing down means becoming present, anchoring, grounding, which is not what someone who is in stagnation is experiencing. They're stagnating, but they're not enjoying the present moment. So habitually, they're completely addicted to, for instance, their thoughts, someone who would sit and just feel really sorry for themselves. And so when it comes to um, the more depressed state, the addiction to the thought would be really anchoring themselves, not anchoring, really attaching themselves like Velcro to any negative thought, which means that they will also be observing only what would seem negative around them, which is a little bit what we can see when someone is in that state in the beginning where all they do is actually experiencing the negative sides of their day and then eventually they will even stop expressing that but they will only interiorize it which is really what it becomes more worrying it's not so worrying well it's less worrying the person who's expressing the negativity compared to the person who is not expressing it. It's a little bit like these um, um, suicide attempts. People who talk about suicide or who attempt it, I would say are less in danger of actually doing it compared to those who are in the state but without verbalizing or acting out. So someone who is stagnating might seem like they're being grounded unless they verbalize it, right? Because then you will actually hear the negative thoughts. So this was not what she was experiencing. She was experiencing all of a sudden 
that she would let go a little bit of the negative thoughts. She would actually go from the obsessive thinking and into the sensation part, the sensatory part of herself instead, and she would feel things. This is how she started to notice that she wanted to slow down because her body was actually asking her to become more grounded. So this was one of the things that she said within just a few days that she was experiencing. And then as she continued, she also told me all of a sudden the constipation was gone, which was obviously an enormous state. Now, what is happening here? The constipation beginning to um, release means vata is beginning to relax, right? Stop, become more stable. That's a huge sign of improvement. And this idea of the grounding, of anchoring, of letting go a little bit of the obsessive thought linked to very strongly negative thinking about oneself, how did that happen? With just a few days of doing these things. Well, let me kind of link back to an episode where I spoke about how to start feeling again. When we are caught in the thinking mind, we are detached from the feeling part of ourselves. And as a way to let go of things and to finally stop the obsessive thinking, there's this whole work of kind of embodying oneself and starting to feel things again. But part of that is... When we are not convinced, when we are not aware even of an internal world existing, right? An emotional existence of ourselves, then we are only attached to what is going on around us externally. To say it in quite harsh word, I guess, in a certain way, we feel empty inside. And the thing is, when we feel empty inside, we will depend very much on the external conditions to lift us up, of course, or to feel that we can fill the void, which is, of course, why we become even more, even more sensitive Sorry, to, to how other people treat us. So if we link this to a really low sense of worth for oneself and that we therefore allow for people who treat us that way as well to be in our life, then we perpetuate the emptiness inside. Now, if we begin to reverse the tendency by just simply starting to create small changes in a very easy to do routine, what happens is that we begin to become aware that we have changes from one day to the next in what is happening inside of our body. And that might seem small, but it's actually enormous. Someone who is in an unconscious way, of course, but convinced that they are empty inside, that there's nothing there. When they begin to acknowledge, firstly, that there's sensations going on and that they change from one day to the next, which will have them begin to interrogate themselves actually on 
what those changes are from one day to the next, well, the inner world actually begins to speak to them. And all of a sudden, it's less scary to be alone with oneself. And then all of a sudden, we begin to note down other things than just, this is how I'm feeling waking up this morning, tired, not tired, tight in the body, flexible in the body, strong, etc. But we begin to also notice I'm feeling in a good mood or I'm feeling in a bad mood. And I wonder why I'm feeling in a bad mood. And we start to investigate in these states. And as we investigate in these states, they go from the unconscious to the conscious, or as they would say in some spiritual parts of the world, I want to say cycles, we shine the light of awareness into the shadow side. And when we bring what's in the shadow into the light, it becomes concrete and it becomes obvious to us, which is just what happens, for instance, when we're talking to a good friend about something and then we feel lighter because we've verbalized it. And so all of a sudden we then reverse the tendency and we begin to notice that it makes us feel good to do this very little simple thing in the morning and then all of a sudden we want to continue doing it. Now this is where the habit begins to form. And then we begin to increase this. And then we begin to long for being in that moment. And all of a sudden we realize that there's this one little thing that we can do that will put us in a better place than we usually are. And this has effects on our nervous response. So when our nervous system then has been agitated, so the vata, we can kind of link that to the nervous response because it's on a very subtle level, right? And so all of a sudden there's a little bit of an relaxed nervous system, which is how all of a sudden after a few days of doing this, of noticing changes, the relaxed mode of the nervous system releases the contractions in the vata area, which is the colon, and all of a sudden we're not constipated every day anymore. Now, I just wanted to give you that example as a way to show you that everything is reversible and everything is possible to do without taking some kind of pharmaceutical synthetic pills that's just suppressing symptoms. But that, yes, there is an important variable in this, and that is the connection to other people. There is this concept of the blue zones in the world, right? Where there's parts in the world where people just live quite frequently until they're 100 years old. And so they've been looking at the different habits that they have and what they eat and things like that. And yes, that is definitely very important what they eat and how they live but more so that they live in community so they do things together because you are your habits but your habits are not necessarily yours originally you become what you have around you and so it's one of the reasons that integrity is essential 
for good health. And I will talk about that more in another episode. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.